Good morning. Good to see you today. Thank you. You're just a little bit late. That was an echo in the church, wasn't it? Just echoing. The good mornings are echoing all over the church walls. We love that. So good to have you here today on this Lord's Day, this beautiful Lord's Day. If you're visiting with us, we're very glad that you're here with us today. And if you wouldn't mind, if you know how to do that, just uh, use the QR code in the, in the bulletin. You can take a picture of that. It'll open a web page. Scroll down to the bottom. You'll be able to fill out an online digital connection card. It's on the screen if you're watching us at home. Um, so please do that for us. Promise we won't bother you in any way. We just want to know that you're present with us. Um, a couple of announcements. First of all, we will get back into the swing of things this Wednesday. So that means that our... Uh, our meal will begin at 5.45 in the fellowship hall. Then there will be youth group and, and children's activities at 6.15, as well as uh, a women's Bible study. You notice that there is a little blurb there in the bulletin saying that there's going to be a women's Bible study resuming this Wednesday over the book No Other Gods by Kelly Minter. And if that is interesting to you, um, just show up on Wednesday. You can join in the meal. And if you've never been to the study before, if you'll, just, you'll be able to follow the ladies. You can show up and say, I'm here for the ladies' Bible study. And we'll get you in the, pointed in the right direction. Uh, you'll also notice in our bulletin that the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we, we busted the top out of it. Our goal was $6,500. And as of last week, we had not met our goal. But what is given to date, and it's just the second... Sunday of January, $10,300. So praise the Lord for that. And finally, I just want to say a word of thanks on behalf of myself and my family. The gold box was put out last week, and uh, appreciate those of you. I appreciate all of you, but I don't know who gave what, and that's great. But I appreciate you all and, and your, um, just this show of love and support. I thank you so, so much. Are there any other announcements that we need to make right now? What's that? Okay, so Brooke is all alone up here in the choir. Okay, you can put the tissues. You can put the tissues away, Brooke. It's welcome to anybody who wants to come. Anybody that wants to come, you're more than welcome to come up here. And you don't have to wait for us to embarrass you by walk, watching you walk up here. Just as soon as, this, as soon as we get started, just come on up. All right. Uh, well, we're in the second week of our church. Emphasis on the word this year is memorizing scripture. And, and my hope and prayer is that your first thought isn't, oh man, I'm terrible at memorizing. And so you psych yourself out before you ever start. Just by show of hands, how many of you tried your best and maybe even memorized Joshua 1.9? All right, it's not too late for you to memorize Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed, do not be frightened, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's not too late to learn that. If an Aggie can learn it, so can you. Now this week, for our call to worship, we're going to look at our second week memory verse. And so, Betty, if you'll put that on the screen. If you would, everyone, please stand. And let's recite this week's verse all together. Second Chronicles 16.9. Here we go. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. 
Let's worship together.
children come forward for the children's sermon. Last week I wore some really big ears, right? I almost wore some really big eyes this morning, and I should have because we talked about the Lord looking to and fro across the earth to find people whose hearts were tuned toward him. (laughs) That would have been funny. Um, But instead, this is what we did last week, right? Mm -hmm. Can you pronounce that word at the top? Shema, right. How many of you know what a habit is? What? That's right. It's something that you do pretty much every day. You do it over and over until it becomes automatic. And this time of year, everybody's talking about forming new habits. We're going to learn memory verses, Some people are changing their eating habits, establishing new uh, habits that are healthier. Um, So I think that the best way we learn is by establishing habits, right? Doing something over and over. So I wanted to remind you again today of the Shema Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Did any of you look at that this week? Yes, that's good. Um, So as I thought about it this week and I looked back in the Old Testament um, when Moses reminded everyone of all the commandments that God had given for his chosen people as they went into the promised land, I looked again at the New Testament where Jesus, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment, and he referred back to the Old Testament. This is something interesting that I noticed. Right after this verse from the Old Testament, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, And with all your strength. But in the Old Testament, it doesn't say with all your mind. God, I mean, Jesus added that when he quoted this verse from the Old Testament. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Jesus thought it was important enough to tell us that we're supposed to love love him not only with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our strength, but we're also supposed to love him with all of our mind. How, how do you love the Lord with all of your mind? With our heart. Yes, absolutely with your heart because your heart controls what you're thinking, but we need to train our minds. And I, I thought, 
isn't that what we're trying to do with you guys? Your yes. Sunday, yes, your Sunday school teachers, yes. Pastor Shannon, your teachers at school, your parent, your grandparent, and even me. That's what I'm up here to do to help train your minds to know God's word and to know God. Because you can't love something that you don't know, can you? But Jesus said that the most important commandment was that we should love him and love our neighbors. So as you go to school, as you listen to your Sunday school teachers and to Pastor Shannon and your parents, give, give God thanks that you have people in your lives that are helping you Train your mind so that you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your holy scriptures. Oh, we would be so lost without this uh, precious um, rule book in our lives. Um, these words that point us to you. Father, we thank you that they are alive, living, that they are your very breath. Father, I just praise you and thank you for these precious children and for the awesome responsibility that we have to help train their minds to know you. Father, we love you and we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Today's scripture reading is 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure, you, assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. If you would please stand. Page 176 in the hymnal.
may be seated. If we can have our ushers come forward at this time to receive the offering. Brandon, would you lead us in a word of prayer? Well, if you would, please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Proverbs. If you're not all that familiar with the Bible, Proverbs is right in the middle of the Bible, more or less. Um, And if you will turn uh, to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, Again, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find in the pew somewhere around you a hardback black copy of the Bible. Uh, And in fact, if you don't own a Bible yourself, we would love for you to have uh, the very copy that you hold in your hands out of the pew, or there's even some on the back row, uh, I'm sorry, on the back table here in the foyer. But if you didn't bring a Bible with you, if you'll take that black one and, and turn from the front of the Bible where the Old Testament's located, but to, ver- to page 459, you'll be at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> This is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and this is God's word. Keep your heart with all vigilance, 
for from it flow the springs of life. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you for the beauty and clarity of your word. Not only that, Lord, we praise you for the power that is in it because they are your words. We're thankful, Lord, that committing your word to our heart, those of us who believe in you, who have been made new in Christ, that as we commit uh, this word to our hearts that we might not sin against you, we find that more and more our heart and our decisions are all guided into life. So, Father, as we consider this, ser- this proverb from Solomon, who is the wisest man who ever lived, may we take to heart what we learn and feel its weight and, and leave here determined to do what it says. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we started a sermon series on love the Lord, love the Lord your God. We started in Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 28 to 34, and we were reminded uh, because Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he responded by saying, love the Lord your God with all... Again, he did say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, um, I want to, from from the outset, two things. Uh, First of all, regarding where we go from this point forward in uh, this sermon series... um, Because of how the Bible talks about the human makeup and and because of how um, it it uses heart, soul, mind, and strength and the heart is known to think and decide and the mind thinks and and the heart feels, you're going to see that there's a lot of overlap here. And so I'm not necessarily going to make hard and fast distinctions between heart, soul, mind. Now, strength, that's a different, that's a different uh, cat altogether. But I'm not going to make hard and fast distinctions, but I am going to try to, to focus on <clears throat> excuse me, like different functions of heart and soul and mind and how they interact uh, together in terms of, for the greater goal of reminding us that the commandment is to love the Lord, our God, with all of these areas of our life. And so uh, the Bible, in, in, in describing um, how we are to love the Lord, it, it shows us that we are spiritual beings, that we are thinking beings. We feel, we choose, we will. And so there's going to be a lot of overlap as we work through this because of how God created us. But the second thing I want to say has to do with today's verse. And I want to, from the outset of the sermon, make sure that I clear away any misunderstanding of what this verse Says, I want you to start off knowing what it means. Okay, Solomon says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. <clears throat> I want you to know that, that he's not saying garbage in, garbage out, good in, good out. Let me elaborate on that. Okay, he is not saying. That through putting good into your heart, you can change the, 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 the makeup of your heart, the disposition of your heart as you are born. 
There's no way that you could put enough good into your heart that on the day of judgment, when you stand before God, you could say, look at all the good that I've put into my heart. Look at all the good that I've done. He would say, I I don't know you. Depart from me. However, that's not to say that for believers, garbage in, garbage out is quite a bit true. And that's why he says here, keep your heart with all vigilance. So to try to keep a heart that's dead is pointless. To try to keep a heart uh, stayed on God as a Christian is essential. So I want you to to know from the beginning, I'm not arguing from a pointless standpoint. I'm arguing from, from the standpoint of speaking to a person who is saved. And that may or may not be you. I don't know the heart of every person here. But don't hear from this. Oh, it's all in my court. I've got, to keep, I've got to keep my heart with all vigilance so that one day I can present to God all the good deeds I've done. Won't work. Won't work. Okay? So one question that we ought to ask and answer is, what does Solomon mean by heart? Okay? And, and notice how I worded that. Originally when I typed up the words on this slide, I, I, here's how I wrote it. What do we mean by heart? And that was wrong from the get-go. Here's why. Because it doesn't matter what I think about what it means. It matters what Solomon meant. And and more so, Solomon, in terms of him being a Hebrew and him writing the words of God. So it doesn't matter what we understand. It's what does Solomon understand. Solomon was a Hebrew. And Hebrews understood their world not in scientific terms where you stick it under a microscope. And you look and you say, okay, there's the cell wall and there's the nucleus and there's all these other things in there. And and to, to objectively look at things and to break them down into compartments. That's not how they would look at human beings. They looked at it in terms more of a subjective experience. The Hebrews wouldn't think of a human being like a house. Like there's, here's the room of the mind, and here's the room of the heart, and here's the room of the will, and here's the room of the body. They thought of a person as a whole. So Solomon has a biblical understanding of humanity. That according to God's design, people, human beings, are both physical and non-physical. So when Solomon, when I ask the question, what does Solomon mean by heart? We understand he is not talking about the physical organ that transports blood around our heart. He's talking about the non-physical heart. And I think Solomon would agree with Dr. Dallas Willard when he says the heart is the center or the core to which every other component of the self owes its function. Now, Jesus said it a little bit more simply. He referred to the heart as the basic source of your life. I think that agrees with what Solomon says here, obviously. So, having established what does Solomon mean by heart, next question I want to ask to us to transition is, what prompted Solomon to word his proverb in this particular way? Why is the heart so important? And it's for this reason. What your heart is like is what you are like. I want you to to feel that. Don't wave it away. 
Don't automatically let the inner lawyer in you stand up and say, Objection, Your Honor. Don't do that. What your heart is like is what you are like. Now, that requires some, some clarification. But for the time being, if this is true, and I believe it is, if your heart is like what you are like, then the next question you should ask yourself is, What am I like? What am I like? Because your thought process in answering this question is going to give you two bits of information. First, it's going to tell you what you believe about the heart. It's going to tell you, does your understanding about heart agree with the Bible or the world? The biblical understanding is the heart is the core or the center from which the rest of the self functions. If you understand it that way, then you have a biblical view. However, you could have the view that the heart is, you know, again, talking about the non-physical attribute of the human makeup, you could believe that the heart is disconnected from the body. How so? You may believe this. I can do whatever I want to in my body as long as I believe the right things in my heart. So there's this disconnect between heart and body. You've heard people say this before, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard it. Someone who has been executed because of the death penalty, and a family member will say, you know, they really, they just got off on the bad way, but, but they really had, this person really had a good heart. And I don't think we can believe that for a moment because of what the Bible tells us about how we are made up. We can't say the heart's disconnected from the body, that a person can do whatever they want to in the body, but all we got to do, if we had a microscope, we could look into their heart and we could see they're really good. That's unbiblical, completely unbiblical. So when we, when we think through how we're going to answer this question, we're going to learn something about what we believe about the heart. But secondly, we're going to learn what we believe about the default setting of the human heart. Because there are some, and you may be in here, that you believe that all human beings are basically good, but the reason that they wind up bad is because of outside influences. They were raised in a really horrible upbringing. You know, and lots of horrible things happen to them. So really they're basically good, but these outside influences just directed them the wrong way. And that is unbiblical. That's completely unbiblical. The Bible says that all humans are radically depraved. That the heart is deceitful. That it's full of sin. Open to Romans 3 and just start reading about what, what, what the Bible has to say. And Paul quoting from the Old Testament about how desperately dark and wicked the human heart is. So when you think through how am I going to answer this question, it's going to tell you a lot about what you believe about your heart. So let's move on to how do you answer it? What standard do you use to answer the question? To, 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 to answer the question or to, to begin to say, what am I like? So how do you do that? Do you compare yourself to others? Do you compare yourself now with yourself five years ago? No, what we should do is compare ourselves to the great commandment as listed in Mark 12. Do you love in the way the Bible commands. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? 
Perhaps a different question that's connected to this is what do you really love? What is it in your life that commands and perhaps even controls your allegiance? Well, the answer to these questions, they're going to tell you a lot about what your heart is like. What your heart is like is what you are like. And Solomon expounds upon this more in this next phrase. And I'm taking things a little out of order from the ESV order. I'll start with the springs of life. Solomon refers to the heart as the springs of life, the source from which you live your life. Now, it might seem to you that I just keep repeating the same thing over and over. So let me let Christ weigh in on this so it, it cements this point in us further. Now, in Matthew 15, let me set the context before I read these verses. The Pharisees come up and they scold Jesus because the disciples aren't doing this ritual hand washing, traditions of men, by the way, not commanded in the scriptures, and they won't wash their hands before they eat. And so these Pharisees, they're going to take Jesus to task. Well, Jesus turns the tables on them and he says, You elevate traditions of men over what the scripture says. And so he speaks to the people in Matthew 15, 10, and 11, and he says these words. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles the person. So it gives us a glimpse as to what is in the source from which we live our lives. And then on down into same chapter, verses 17 through 20. Jesus says, Do you not see that what goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But whatever comes out of the mouth, see he's contrasting into the mouth, out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from not the mouth, but the heart. And this defiles a person. But what he's saying here is that defilement is inside out. Now, yes, you can heap sin upon yourself, but it really originates in a depraved heart. I'm going to continue. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Jesus is saying in a different way, this is what sin is. Sin is not, not washing your hands before you eat. This is what defilement really is, not forgetting to wash your hands. And in Luke chapter 6, 45, Jesus says these things in a different way. Listen, the good person, now by good person... I, I want to, I believe it's right for us to understand. He's talking about a Christian. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart. The reason I believe that speaking about a Christian is because true good treasure can only come from a godly source. And so if we have Christ living in us, then by virtue of his sacrifice and his righteousness, we can be declared good. And so he puts a different treasure in our heart. It, it helps us to make decisions. And he says, out of the good treasure of his heart, this good, this good person produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now notice here. 
Jesus and Solomon, they're on the same page. What is in your heart flows out of it. What's in your heart flows out of it. This is why Solomon says that the springs of life flow from it. All that you think, all that you decide, all that you plan, all you do, all your actions, all of your feelings, the words that come from your mouth, they flow from the heart. Dallas Willard again says this, the heart directs the life. It is the executive center of a human life where decisions and choices are made for the whole person. The heart has such wide-ranging functions, influences upon the human life. The heart can affect the state of a person. If you are down in the mouth, if there is, if there is just sadness in your heart, truly we're not going to walk around with a big smile on our face. I don't, I don't think. So what's in the heart affects the state of a person. Our heart, it wishes, it desires, it thinks, it reflects on things, it meditates on things, it, it understands, it, it discerns uh, you know, the difference between things, it, it labors to get insight, it is what is our moral center to help us understand the difference between right and wrong. It's the source of joy and sorrow, of anger peace, of rejoicing and trouble. It's the source of love and doubt and fear. So all of these things flow from our heart. And as we look at these things, if we look at them as symptoms, they will indicate to us the condition of our heart. Say it a different way. The the, the condition of your heart will be seen from what comes out of it. So this is why Solomon gives the command in this verse. He says, keep. Keep. Keep means to guard, to watch over, or to protect. You imagine a soldier in complete armor, understanding that he has a post, and he is not to let enemies in. He's a guard. He's standing guard. You might imagine someone else in a high tower somewhere looking far away to watch to see our enemies coming. There's probably soldiers on the inside of a city as well. So you've got one standing guard uh, over the city gate to protect. Got some standing uh, in, in a tower looking far away to see are there enemies. Some on patrol inside the city. Because you never know when someone has tried to sneak in to to produce overthrow inside the city, to to take down the government, to do something like that. So they have to protect from enemies on the outside and defeat enemies on the inside. That's not just to do those things. The ultimate goal is this. So you imagine all the things that I just said about soldiers. Apply this to your heart. The reason that Solomon says, do all of these things, is that he wants the human heart to flourish. For there to be life. And that life only comes through being connected to God. Basil the Great. You've probably never heard of him. He's never been on your Christmas card list. But he is from years ago. He says, whoever, therefore would truly be a follower of God, 
must sever the bonds of attachment to this life. And this is done through complete separation from and forgetfulness of old habits. We must rest ourselves from both fleshly ties and worldly society, being transported, as it were, to another world in our manner of living, as the Apostle said in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. He's saying, you've got to decide which world you're in. If you're going to be truly a follower of God, and this is how it applies to, to, to keep, you're going to have to keep your heart. You're going to have to defeat enemies on the outside and defeat enemies on the inside and give your complete allegiance to where your citizenship truly is, which is in heaven. And Basil finishes, without this, it's impossible for us to achieve our goal of pleasing God. Inasmuch as the Lord said specifically, every one of you, that does not renounce all his possessions, cannot be my disciple. So when Solomon commands keep, he's saying you've got to declare war on your enemies. You've got to to have a a doggedness about a, a, a really clear understanding of your heart and a dogged determination to keep it. And how so? With all Vigilance. That's what he says. With all vigilance. And literally in the Hebrew, it's keep your heart more than all guarding. More than all guarding. In other words, priority number one. Some of you kiddos, be grateful for the fact that you weren't alive when 9-11 happened. That was one of the most awful things I, I can... In, in my short life of 53 years, that's one of the, the, the things that happened in U.S. history that it's going to continue to mark me. And I think it'll be true for a lot of us. But do you know, 9-11 caught us off guard. It caught us off guard. Enemies of the United States in four different airplanes attacked... Our economy, the World Trade Center, both buildings. Our military, the Pentagon. And then there was a fourth plane. If it had reached its target, it would have attacked our government. It was all out attack. And it caught us off guard. How did this happen? This morning I was looking at the 9-11 Commission because it's been a, a day or two since I've thought about 9-11, but the 9-11 commission was tasked with answering the question, why did this happen? And one of the big takeaways was this. There was a failure of the Pentagon, the FBI, the CIA, and the National Security Council to act on the intelligence that they had about Al-Qaeda. Let me say it a different way. They had lots of information, but no action. Lots of information, but no action. So Christian, are you vigilant when it comes to guarding your heart? Could a 9-11 happen to you? Are you vigilant? I want you to have this picture in your mind. Imagine, and I'll just use myself. Imagine that I'm on the elliptical at home. Okay? And I'm striving for health. But you look over and you notice... 
that while I'm, now my legs are going, but my, I got two donuts. I got one in either hand. And, and it's just two of the two dozen that are right there by me. You would look at me and you would say, that is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. But you're an Aggie and so probably, yeah. So what do I mean by this? When you ask the question, Christian, are you vigilant when it comes to guarding your heart? Are you striving for holiness while letting junk in through what you read, watch, and listen to? Silence for a reason. Because I want us to think about that. Because if we don't keep our heart with all vigilance, then spiritually we are on an elliptical with donuts in both hands. We've got to keep our heart with all vigilance. Because Calvin was right. Our heart is an idol factory. Not only do we have enemies without, we've got enemies within. We've got to be vigilant because we are citizens of heaven walking in a fallen world. We are pilgrims on the way to the celestial city and Vanity Fair wants to pull us off the route every day. We've got to guard our hearts, keep them with all vigilance from enemies without, but then also we have enemies within. We're an idol factory. And then sometimes, this is what the Pharisees were doing with Jesus, They were self-righteous. Now we could guard our heart with all vigilance from things like don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do and miss the boat completely. Because what we've done is we've done these things to beat our own chest and not to serve the one who gave his son for us. We're to guard ourselves from self-righteousness because the point is to love the Lord. We've got to guard the temperature of our hearts. What do I mean by that? Some of you may have come here today and this is just another Sunday for you. In your heart there's no sense of of warmth toward the person of Christ. There's there's no sense of of overwhelming awe at at the gospel Maybe you sang today and there were just kind of words and you were thinking about who's playing football game. I know that perhaps I'm being a, a bit harsh. So let me back off of that a bit. Is the general temperature of your heart cold toward the Lord? Is it more hot? Is it more cold? That's a worthy question for us to ask. Because that's one of the things when we say guard your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance. It's not so much, it is about the enemies from without and within that would want to steal our heart and give it to the world. But having fought the enemies, we must place the allegiance of our heart on the one who saved us. And in doing so, our hearts, we should want and pray for God to make our hearts aflame with love and appreciation and and gladness in Him. When we do that, the temperature of our heart will rise. So again, is Solomon saying garbage in, garbage out? I think I've answered that. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I'll start with no. 
Because putting good stuff in doesn't fundamentally change our heart so that we become righteous before God on our own. So no. However, the answer is also yes. Because a heart made new by God has been made righteous through the blood of Christ. And we must walk in righteousness. Which means we don't put garbage in and take out... I'm sorry. It means that we must not put garbage in and we must take out whatever garbage we find on the inside. So Christian, keep your heart with all vigilance. When you were born again, God took your heart of stone. He took it from you. And he gave you a heart of flesh so you could love and obey him. But we still fight enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And we must guard, we must keep our hearts above all guarding. Because from our heart flow the springs of life. And the world and the flesh and the devil will work to poison the springs of our hearts. So we must be vigilant to keep our hearts. But if you're a non-Christian. If you have not repented of your sin. And placed your faith fully in Christ Jesus for your salvation, then to hear these words, keep your heart, and to try to put them into practice is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You have a dead, dark, and depraved heart. Think of it, and you could probably drive around here and see some of this. You have a house that's falling down. It's falling apart. Now imagine... Someone driving up to that, all of a sudden you you drive by that, that house day after day after day, and then you drive by and you notice there's a carpet company truck out there. And, and what are they doing? They're putting carpet in. And then you see that there's an interior decorator. What are you doing? I, I'm, I'm putting up uh, window treatments. And then you see a furniture store delivering furniture. What in the world? <laughs> that makes no sense at all for you to try to... To pretty up a house, it's falling down. No, that needs to be bulldozed. No, you need a new heart, and Christ will give you a new heart. And when that happens, non-Christian, when you place your faith and trust in Christ and say, it's not about me bringing in the carpet, the furniture, and the window treatments. It's about Christ bulldozing and then rebuilding in His image. And you'll have the Holy Spirit live in you. And you will be able to keep your heart with all vigilance. Let's pray. Father, only you know the condition of each heart in this room. So we pray, we beg you, Lord. Show us what we're like. Lord, for those that may want to put their confidence in their own righteousness, would you show them your high and holy standard so they might see not despair, but hope. I can never be good enough, but Christ was good enough for me that if I repent of my sins and renounce trying to make myself good, then I can come to him and he will save me. He will give me a new heart. Lord, for those of us who are Christians, perhaps we can look at our life now and see, honestly, knowing that we've been changed on the inside for sure and nothing can take that away. We we have begun to put garbage in and garbage is coming out. Lord, impress upon us how important it is in order for us to walk in faithfulness with you 
to keep our heart with all vigilance so that what comes in flows out to your glory. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to have a time of response. Um, This is a time if you would like to make a decision of any kind, we are welcome to do that. If not, we'll just sing a verse or two, and then we'll have a time of prayer and be dismissed. be seated. I want to take just a moment or two. There are so many additions to our uh, prayer list. Uh, If you notice, uh, Kathy even had a hard time fitting it all in the back of the bulletin. There was so much uh, to to talk about. Um, Just a few updates. Um, Please pray for Alicia Morales. Pam, how's she feeling? She'd been in excruciating pain the past few days. She's still in terrible pain and she's, she's dealing with cancer. Um, Andrew Dickinson, which is a friend of Kyler's, uh, they've determined that he's got uh, cancer. Is that correct, Jen? Had you heard about Andrew Dickinson? Okay, well, we'd heard that he had, had they'd found a tumor. Okay, okay. Um, continue to pray for the Hawkins family and the Griffin family and, and their loss. Uh, Billy Don Everett, that is uh, Devin's dad. Uh, he is in the hospital on, uh, in Lakeway. Uh, he's dealing with COVID, he's septic, uh, and then he also has um, a gangrenous heel. And so there's a lot of things that need to fall into place. He's critical. There's a lot of things that need to fall into place so that they can begin to work on um, th- what they're going to do with that heel. Um, you notice we're missing Denise today. Denise had a surgery last week on her eye, and it went very well. And uh, there's even hope for uh, her to have vision as good a vision as she can have in both eyes. Um, and so we're very grateful for that. And so she's still, still dealing with a little bit of pain, Brooke. Is that right? Okay. So pray for her, uh, and uh, we hope that she's back soon. <clears throat> uh, Ken's sister, Doris Thompson, uh, she is back in the nursing home, our skilled nursing facility. She's supposed to have surgery last week on her shoulder. Did not happen. They're wanting to make sure she's completely, uh, that COVID has run its course, as well as... Um, She needs to gain some strength to prepare for the surgery. Um, Jesse Rodriguez, I don't know if you all know, uh, Jesse passed away last night, so pray for the Rodriguez family. Uh, John Barnes, who used to sit right back there in the back corner, uh, John had a triple bypass. He's at home now. Continue to pray for John. Uh, Many of you, I'm sure, know Keith Davis. Uh, He's going to have a heart surgery sometime soon. Um, Mike, we're glad you're here. I know that there's some health challenges. That Do you want to share anything uh, about what's going on with you? 
Okay. Still doing the bloodletting, and they're checking for autoimmune. Uh, Nell Hedrick is supposed to have uh, back surgery at some point. Uh, Noah Morales, that's your nephew. Yes, he's off the vent. Off the vent and still having trouble some swal- swallowing. Okay, he was born premature, and his esophagus and trachea weren't, weren't connected. Okay. Um, Peggy Spinks, that's um, Carolyn's sister-in-law. She's got uh, bone cancer, and so pray for her. Um, also, many of you have probably heard by now, um, be in prayer for Lexi Wagner uh, and for that family. Uh, her boyfriend committed suicide, um, I guess, last weekend, early part of this, this week at some point. His name is Samuel, uh, I don't know how you pronounce that last name, W-O-L-D-E-K-I-D-A-N. Uh, but that was her boyfriend, and so he committed suicide. His, uh, his service was last week, and so both families are going through uh, untold grief. Um, is there any other updates that you'd like to pass along or any requests that you'd like to share before we pray? Okay, good. So Jennifer had some surgery to remove um, some cancer, and, and so things are, are looking good for her. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, well, let's stand. We'll have a time of prayer, and we'll say the Great Commission, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do lift up all of these that were mentioned. Indeed, we lift up all of those that are on our prayer list. Um, also, there may be some in here this morning that they have need of prayer, but that for whatever reason, they have just kept it to themselves. I pray in each situation, Father, uh, that each person would feel um, a touch from you, that they would know that you are near to the brokenhearted, uh, that you are the one who does good, you are always good, and there's never any shadow of, of change in you. You are light, and in you there is no darkness at all. May they, in times of struggle, instead of being mad at you and wanting to turn away, may they turn and find that you are indeed who you have said you are. Lord, for those that need healing, we pray that it would come. For those that are grieving, we pray that you would give them comfort and peace. For those dealing with sickness, we pray, God, uh, that their hearts could be, uh, that they could be healed. And and, uh, Lord, for all others, whatever situation they're in, we trust in your goodness and in your sustaining grace. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Before we say the Great Commission, I just want to remind you that tonight is our business meeting. If you're a member of Cherokee Baptist Church, it's your right, your responsibility, and your privilege to participate in these meetings. So please make every every effort to come. Now let's say the Great Commission together will be dismissed. And Jesus came and said to them...